You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects through the perspective of Gen X and Gen Z. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And, and this, this is ZZ Talk. Talk. No, to me, the imagination is a place all by itself, a separate country. Now, you've heard of the French nation, the British nation. Well, this is the imagination. It's a wonderful place. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we are reviewing Miracle on 34th Street, and I would like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas as this is releasing on Christmas Day obviously. Um, so we have quite a few uh, podcast episodes coming up. And uh, well, with that in mind, there's two more holiday themed episodes, two more holiday this themed episodes, and jingle all the way. Correct. So um, with that in mind, obviously, we are in the full swing of Christmas right now. Um, but with that said, since we're talking about Miracle on 34th Street, I definitely want to give a little bit of a background as to this film. Oftentimes, it's considered a quintessential Christmas classic, and it came out in 1947. So as you might remember, because it was probably last week or the week before, we reviewed It's a Wonderful Life, which also came out in 1947, if I'm not mistaken. that's correct. So yeah, we definitely like our old holiday classics here, but we're wondering how this one held up, because it's been a while since we've uh, both seen this. I think the last time I watched this, I was in ninth grade, which was... 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. You're an old Z. I know. Look at me. And uh, when was the last time you watched this? Probably a decade ago. <clears throat> Probably. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, with that in mind, this uh, film is very decorated. It won three Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cast members uh, in this case, that was Edmund Gwynn, uh, won the best actor in a supporting role. Um, and then it also received Best Writing, Original Story, uh, and Screenplay. And the film was also nominated for Best Picture, which lost to Gentleman's Agreement. And in 2005, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So uh, the Academy Film Archive also preserved Miracle on 34th Street in 2009. And if that doesn't give a good background as to why this film is very important in the pop culture zeitgeist, then I don't really know it does. Speaking of background information, I'll go into a little bit more of that now. So this film, as we also uh, mentioned here, was released in 1947, but it was on June 11th, so not even Christmas in July. Um, It runs at a very lean 96 minutes. I know you're a huge fan of that. I am. And with a budget of $630,000, it returned $2.7 million. So it definitely was a hit at the time. Which adjusted for inflation is like $2 billion now. Exactly. Um, And the film also stars Maureen O'Hara. 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 One of the most famous actresses uh, that Hollywood has ever seen. Yep. John Payne, Edmund Gwynn, Jean Lockhart, Natalie Wood, Porter Hall, William Frawley, Jeremy Cowan, and Philip Tong. Tong? Not sure. Anyway, it was also directed by George Seaton. So that's a little bit of the background information here. And I believe it did get a remake in the early, early to 90s. mid-90s, mm-hmm. 1994 A or respectable so. one, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, no, it's quite good. So there was no controversy around... No, I don't remember there being any, because I think they did it well. Cool. Yeah. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. And have they ever put color on this picture? 
Uh, I don't think so. Unlike our last week's film. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. And with that in mind, let's go ahead and get into the synopsis. In this Christmas classic, an old man going by the name of Chris Kringle fills in for an intoxicated Santa in Macy's annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. Kringle proves to be such a hit that he is soon appearing regularly at the chain's main store in Midtown Manhattan. When Kringle surprises customers and employees alike by claiming that he really is Santa Claus, it leads to a court case to determine his mental health and, more importantly, his authenticity. Yeah. So honestly, I feel like this premise is kind of ahead of its time. It's uh, very interesting, and I would have loved to see something that came out today with that kind of uh, plot line. So regardless of the fact, um, it has been a while since we've seen this movie. Let's go ahead and talk about our expectations going in and how you watched it. I have always felt as though this is one of the handful of definitive Christmas classics. I mean, if 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 someone had never seen a Christmas movie and they said, they asked me, okay, I can only watch two movies that are Christmas themed. Which are the ones I cannot miss? I would say- Jingle all the way. <laughs> and the Santa Claus. No, yeah. I would absolutely start with, uh, they're interchangeable. Miracle on 34th Street or- um, it's a wonderful life. Thank you. Yes. Last week's episode. Yes. Yeah. And I think those two are talked about in the same sentence very often here. Because they're prestige films. For sure. No doubt. But It's a Wonderful Life, if I'm not mistaken, was not successful at the time. Of Correct. Release. Yeah. That's what we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I went into this movie remembering I had liked it mm -hmm. all the way back then. And if I liked black and white film before mm -hmm. I was a film fan, mm -hmm. or should I say uh, film aficionado podcaster yes right. um i would imagine that i probably would have liked it a lot by now as well mm -hmm. um and i saw this movie i think originally when i was in ninth grade in english class and um then i watched it what was it on amazon amazon this time around i can't remember because i watched it the day before thanksgiving okay so we're recording this on december 22nd so you know the deal is is we have to rewatch these movies before we talk about them we've been and sitting so on this, this one we have been sitting on this one for a while but i think you were asleep still because it was early morning i got up and i thought oh i think i'll just turn on the tv and sure enough i got into this and i thought well i got to do it for the pod anyway so was this right before a 5k it was the day before Thanksgiving. So gotcha. it was the day before the 5K. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. And with that in mind, um, I watched this, uh, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, my expectations for it were it's a Christmas classic. Don't remember too much about it except for part of the plot line. Let's see how it shakes out. Mm -hmm. And um, well, let's just go ahead and get into our opinions. Okay. You start. This is a great film. It's It obviously it's been talked about so much and we talk about whether things are worth the hype. This one absolutely is. It's really full of magic. It's very enchanting in the way it's presented. And it tells a timeless tale of making sure to keep the real reason for Christmas uh, outside of, uh, you know, just the materialism. Maybe it's not so much a faith-based movie, but I do appreciate that it really harps on the fact that, you know, Christmas is not just about the toys you receive toys you receive you know we love the idea of santa but even santa himself is not just in christmas for the sake of just the material toys and obviously it's been an age-old thing since santa became popular is at a certain point in your life santa 
you uh you learn is not real so wait what <laughs> so i i think this is a really clever way to sort of turn that on its head and um you know make a really nice film out of it too it talks about skeptics versus believers and i think it does a really good job of telling an interesting story while also juggling a lot of heart um a really good story of being able to you know just prove that you can be really really good to people and how you know with with all the rampant commercialism that there is today and i mean look it's been going on for years if they were talking about this in 1947 um everybody whether you're uh, whether you you know are of a certain belief system or faith or not there's more to christmas than just what you receive so I really do appreciate that aspect of the movie. And I think it was done really, really well. I think it's always cozy watching black and white films. And um, uh, this one, I mean, it met and exceeded my expectations. Once again, it, it deserves its place in the time capsule of great cinema. So mm -hmm. I have to agree. I mean, this movie is just, I mean, it, honestly, it, I don't know where it is on the AFI's list of the top 100 films of all time, but it better be in the top 10 because it is just um it's earnest it's sweet it's um it, the runtime is short enough yeah um but i think you're exactly right i mean the idea of this trial to assess his mental capacity mm -hmm. is really a little bit ahead of its time or oh, yeah. a lot ahead of its time um i don't even know if you mentioned that natalie wood is the little girl in this and natalie wood in my generation gen x I mean, you know, she was a huge star. She died in the early she 80s. Round, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I mean, she was be between this and Rebel Without a Cause and the original West Side Story, mm -hmm. for which I think she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, she didn't do her own singing, by the way, yeah. somebody else. But um, uh, this this is one of the all-time greats. I mean, I, I have to say it, well, we'll get into spoilers in just a little, in just a minute. It, it much like It's a Wonderful Life, there are parts of it that are, I'm going to call them antiquated now. If we were to redo this movie now, I think we could, well, I'm not sure we could recapture the magic, but I'm thinking that there are things that you would modify in the story to be more pertinent to today's world. Would you like an example? Or should we go into spoilers for that? We'll go into spoilers for okay. that, but I'll admit on my side, uh -huh. I was surprised by just how well this movie holds up. I don't really think there was a line or a theme necessarily that made me really think to myself, oh, wow, you know, we've come a long way since then. To be honest, I think this movie could have been released not way too long ago and still been seen as like a really good way for all ages to watch this film. I think it just it, it's a timeless tale. And to be honest, I just... I was really impressed by the fact that it it was great in 1947 and it's still a great movie today. Maureen O'Hara is phenomenal in this, in she my is. opinion. She, she is just, just the right tone. She strikes the right tone in this film. It's funny that you say that too, because I think we've talked about it. Actors um, on, like, you know, in Hollywood back then, they were closer to the stage than they were to the screen right. back then because it had all been plays and more Shakespearean sort of, you know, really exaggerated movements that was acting. And um, uh, my roommate actually passed me by when I was watching this film and he said, um, you know, uh, what are you watching? I said, Miracle on 34th Street. And he was like, how old is this movie? And I said, oh, I don't know, 70, 80 years old or so. And he said, um, 
he said, oh, it's funny. I don't really like watching older movies. And that's just because the dialogue and the way they talk. And then it's just, mm -hmm. it seems so mm -hmm. silly it, these yeah. days. And I was it's thinking very to myself. very stage-oriented, like you said, yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Marianne O'Hara. 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 Mm -hmm. I thought she was incredible, at she, least for the time. Perfect so, in this film. So, so good. The absolute right tone. She finds the exact balance mm -hmm. of endearing, uh, but but believable, irritable, but sentimental. The whole thing is right. Absolutely. She goes through so many sort of just like phases in this film, but she was just spot on, mm -hmm. spot on. And I think all the other actors did a great job mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's funny that Max noticed that. But for me, I was just like, to me, this doesn't feel like it's actually that old. Yeah. It just feels like I agree. a movie that maybe came out in the 60s or 70s. And that is the quintessential classic film when it can hold up through the ages. And this film does that in spades. I, I like Much like It's a Wonderful Life. These yeah. two films are the pantheon of Christmas movies. And it tells essential, it gives essential messages uh -huh. about the way things should be. Um, and I mean, look, to varying effect, I'm not saying that, you know, we should put Santa Claus on trial here, but I'm saying, you know, we'll get into spoilers a little bit more, but I think one of the things that affected uh, me most about this film is kind of the dynamic that you and I have with, um, it's like dreamers versus realists, right? And I do want to talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, do you want to go- the realist here? Both of us. <laughs> I know. So um, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, go into spoilers. Do you want to go ahead and give that warning? Sure. So if you haven't seen this movie, you owe it to yourself to see this movie. But um, if you're going to watch it and you don't want to hear us talk about the plot lines, um, go ahead and stop, watch, and then come back. This is spoiler territory. You've been warned. All right, perfect. So I think a lot of times in movies, sometimes a setup is so ridiculous and it's just like okay it's a movie right uh -huh. or the way characters get into uh, a problem it can be really ridiculous but you're saying okay it's a movie or they could have resolved it by just talking to each other for two minutes but they don't and then you just say <laughs> okay it's a movie <laughs> with this film here of course we have the idea of an actual santa claus but i love how it mixes um i love how it mixes maureen o'hara's amazing character of she has an actual good justification. She was divorced previously. She's been hurt. She has a great job, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, love, I want her job. Yeah. She is slightly jaded by the fact that, you know, a marriage didn't work out for her. So she has a sense of, you know, I'm a working woman. I'm a single mother. Like, I'm not going to let my child believe in fairy tales so that she can only be let down later. We're going to be pragmatic about things. I'm not going to just set her up to be hurt. And she has a no justification. I like this performance. I know. sense to me. And she has a justification for that. And I think that's kind of where we come into play sometimes because we're people who are thinking, look, we love the magic of movies. Obviously, so much of what we watch is fiction and what we enjoy is fiction. But I think it's really important to remember there's a good reason for being pragmatic. And oftentimes it can at least let you see the world for the reality that it is. But much like this character, you do still have to have that element of hope and belief and willingness to keep your mind open about things, especially when it comes to the people that you love yeah. and what can affect them. Now, look, in the real world, Santa Claus does not exist. However, wait, what? <laughs> 
But with that in mind, I love that this movie teaches us, yes, we know that's true, but you can't just be so rigid all the time that you can't take that magic away from a child. When we tell children about Santa, it's not so we can just give them a rug pull when they're in third grade. It's because it's a fun tradition that helps bring them into the spirit of Christmas before they can really truly realize what the whole Christmas season is about. Because for them, a lot of the time, it's about you know getting those presents, getting those toys. And I think that with you and I, we're oftentimes really pragmatic, really realists, especially when we're met with people who have like, you know, big ideas, big dreams about something or, you know, big wishes. I think it's a really good way to sort of, I saw a self-reflection in this film almost. I felt like I was the main character in some ways. And it's just like, it's okay to be pragmatic, mm -hmm. but you must be open enough I to let new ideas and related to her. And, and so did I. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I mean, it was just, yeah. Um, and that's what I liked so much about, about just, this character. You know, I was talking about movies we're like, that's such a movie plot. Mm -hmm. She had an actual reason for the way that she was feeling at first. But I also loved that she came to believe eventually because she was able to open herself up a little bit more despite her experiences. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And that's mm -hmm. not just like, you know, movie fiction or, oh, that's just a movie thing. She felt like a real person, a real yeah. character. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. I, I agree. I will say that there, the thing that, that struck struck me that I, I referenced just a moment ago but didn't go into detail in terms of if they remade this movie they would make some adjustments um <clears throat> so the neighbor i've forgotten his name lives across the hall in the apartment yeah yeah now the mom has not really met this neighbor but her little girl is hanging out in his apartment sure. watching the parade okay fair and enough a little uncomfortable with that right <laughs> for a lot of reasons and you know and that's just but that was this is 1947, and and I can get behind that. Well, we also talk but about I'm also so jaded. This is a great know, generational moment it, for our podcast yeah, okay. too, right? So there was probably a shift in the 80s or 90s mm -hmm. where when you were a kid, you were allowed to like okay, obviously your parents weren't like go get into a car with strangers, mm -hmm. but you were able to just go and play. That is true all day. That is were, true, and you you weren't. Your parents weren't so worried about where you were. Probably in the early 2000s, maybe 90s. Yeah. And then at least there was some cultural shift eventually to where it happened, where it was just like, when I was a kid, you know, you were like, don't go too far. Like, make sure to like check in. Uh, there were no phones for us to like have on our person back then. But it's just like, I wouldn't say that, you know, we were kept on a short leash, but it was definitely there was more caution there. Right. And I think when you were a kid, it was just much different. And so, 20 uh 20 years or 19 years before you were born with miracle on 34th street that felt weird you're right that felt weird with like just a man like what like babysitting a kid but people just i, I think back then people yeah, had more you're trust probably right they just, just had more I'm trust just saying that if they made it today they would have to adjust that right sure sure right. but i think you know there was more trust back then and i think it actually set it up well uh -huh. to be like hey you know if you're going to be compatible with me, then, well, you got to be okay with having a kid and treat yeah. her well as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And, I thought the relationship was really sweet too. They were like friends, you know, it was really sweet. The whole thing is just, um, I think the other thing too, I mean, just it's early on in the film too, when, when he's just, you know, telling everyone that he's, he's Chris Kringle and that's his name. And you know, the whole, I really like the idea of this is Macy's and, 
they're competing with gimbals down the street and you don't remember gimbals but gimbals i grew up with so it's you know macy's and gimbals were basically the two you know anchor stores there's others bloomingdale's and 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 others Mm -hmm. but that you know the thanksgiving day parade and the the holiday shopping season these are focal you know these are these are major players in that whole thing so there's a lot especially for gen x to feel good Mm -hmm. about this movie yeah um which you can't relate to to some extent that part of it because Mm -hmm. you know gimbals is like you know what is that to you right but well i mean i watch movies from like the 90s and they've mentioned gimbals so i I was aware of what it was but did i ever pass it no it was always right there was there was a macy's in north carolina and every mall there was a gimbals and a macy's which where i grew up used to be bamberger's so it's a whole thing right Uh, i don't know about all that yeah um but yeah it's interesting and so i actually do want to talk about two really forward thinking yeah. uh things in this movie first of all we were talking about macy's and gimbals um they didn't really paint them in an amazing light uh in some places uh to an extent it was kind of treated like um it's kind of treated like in barbie where mattel it was like okay they're not perfect but they're also you know not bad guys mm-hmm. i think in this movie it was kind of funny that they used the brand names and maybe that was they were promoted by mm-hmm. the two stores back then. And that was really good for advertising back then. Mm-hmm. But I kind of liked how it's like Gimbals and Macy's. At first, I thought it was just going to be like, come get your toys here. Right. But it actually turned out to be, you see the bosses and they're just like, oh, we have a business plan. We're making some profits off this. Right. Let's pretend to be the good guys right. here. I thought that was like kind of ahead of its time. Right. And I'm surprised it didn't get like in trouble uh-huh. or sued by either uh, yeah. store for that. Also, this was so interesting too. So, um, was his name albert or alfred Alfred. the young kid um when he was meeting with uh chris kringle and he was sad he went to that psychologist and i think this is so prescient here no he was a totally normal kid and he was feeling upset because this psychiatrist or psychologist just told him because he was an impressionable kid that how he felt he diagnosed him with a million different things. And so he believed that about yeah. himself. And he was like, oh, it's because of your father. And he's like, I actually love my father. And he's like, well, no, you don't. He actually did something to you. I thought that was so wild because look, I'm not trying to make some big statement here, but I feel like I feel like it is. Are you looking Gen Z in the mirror here? <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> I feel like it's very, very trendy. It used to be kind of like a Bit, bit taboo to mm-hmm. talk about that kind of stuff absolutely mental health was not something you talked about absolutely and i think that before 2010 uh, yeah absolutely and i think look with the pr- uh, progress we've made talking about mental health and being open about it is so important agreed but i thought it was really interesting that this psychologist psychiatrist kind of just overdiagnosed mm-hmm. this kid and this kid believed that he had all these conditions because of all these factors, but he was essentially being gaslit into mm-hmm. believing he was worse off than he was, mm-hmm. which created a cycle of feeling worse for him. And that's all I'll really say about it. But I don't know. It kind of sounds like a lot of what I see on social media day by day. So, and look, we're just, we're also going to say this. There are legitimate, there are like legitimate conditions there are legitimate things that people are diagnosed with. However, I think a lot of people can agree that pretty crazy that, you know, with the trendiness of how easy it is to talk about self-diagnosing yourself with this kind of stuff and maybe holding yourself back because 
uh, you think, oh, it's because of some condition. It's kind of funny that I saw this in 1947. 1947. I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was, in- that was interesting. And mm-hmm. I thought that was way ahead of its time, mm-hmm. but outside of that kind of stuff, um, let's talk a little bit more about Chris Kringle and then the ensuing trial itself. And I think we're pretty much good to go from there. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, I felt like the, the trial, it, it wore on a little long for me, even though the movie is just over 90 minutes or so. Um, you know, it, the, the conclusion, of course, is that all these letters to Santa um, are delivered to the courtroom, and therein lies the evidence, right, that this must be Santa yeah, kind of thing. And that's very charming. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's some uh, finagling going on between some of the attorneys and all that, you know, and, and everybody want, is out to get him, right? But as the viewer... And the the main protagonists, they were all rooting for him. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's course. that's what I have to say about that. I mean, I, I just, you know, I like this movie. It's interesting because I remember the trial being the unique, more fascinating part of the movie. But this time around, I was actually much less interested in it. A little boring. I think the lead up to it was far exactly. better in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah, it's a little boring. But I think it was kind of funny because it also reminds you about back in the day, they were talking about there was no real way to prove that he wasn't Santa no. or know where this person came from where they went, where they went. Right. That's what I'm saying. And I guess to your point, I guess that couldn't really be done today. And mm-hmm. like a modern lens, because the woman said, show me his employment card. And he just wrote Chris Kringle next of kin, like Dasher, dancer, prancer, vixen, which was made for really, really uh, a really fun moment there. But I wonder if he knows Hermie and Clarice. <laughs> perhaps but um and, and um yukon yeah. <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it was it was interesting too uh with that because i don't know it i love seeing that old t- like if somebody faxes somebody something uh-huh. or uses like one of those rotary phones i don't know i kind of love seeing one of those rotary phones oh I yeah those at my house growing up yeah i know i know but it's just it's just funny to see how things worked back then uh-huh. and i feel like that works so much better it's like well we can't prove this guy isn't santa claus but you know therefore he must be santa claus yeah i thought that therefore, was he is santa claus and i thought that was interesting and i kind of loved how he would just he was kind of in this fish out of water situation mm-hmm. and i guess it's never explained but it's like why was he down from the north pole in this random city yeah, we just don't get that out. i will say i love the ending of this movie too i mean i just always did she this little girl wants this she wants uh, a daddy mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas, and of course that's a, a tall request. And this house, and and then of course they're driving, and they find this house that just happens to be unlocked, by the way. And they go into this house, right? And then then here's his his cane uh-huh. standing there. It's just it just wraps it up, and it's just I like a happy ending. You know that, yeah. Um, so for me, this is this is a win, absolutely. And I, I love those little moments with Santa, like in the beginning when he's saying. Hey, you know, you've got your reindeer all mixed up. And the guy's like, okay, man. Yeah, right. Like, all right, all right. And then uh, uh he's uh basically he's hired for the job and it's like, what's your name? It's like Chris. Chris what? Chris Kringle? Uh-huh. It's like, okay. And then it's like, oh wow, this guy's the best Santa ever. And then I love, I love that moment where he's just sitting, like, you know, taking the kids' requests. And there's this one um recently adopted kid, and she 
only spoke Dutch. Right. And, and he starts speaking Dutch. And he starts her. speaking Dutch. And it's so and sweet. She lights up. It's yeah. So wonderful. I mean, that's what Christmas is. That's what I'm saying. That that's not what Christmas is, folks. Christmas is about the birth of Christ. But that's that spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just about it's, it's about being with the people that you love. Right. And obviously the, you know, the special there's something different. So why you're home now when Christmas is in the air. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Actually, it's just for the presents, you know. Uh, but yeah, regardless, I don't know. This movie just—I think we've explained all we can about I think it. We have to, but it's just—it's just a great, great film, and it just captures everything you love and already know about Christmas so neatly. And it's not even lightning in a bottle. There's been so many other movies that have done this well as well, but I don't know. It's one of those films that I can watch almost every single year and probably feel the same way that I do now. And I got to say, you know, I'm not a huge fan of holiday movies, but this is how it's done. Wait, you're not a fan of holiday movies? Some. You're not a fan of holiday movies. I know this. So Noah, on a scale of one to five Z's, what are you giving Miracle on 34th Street? Five Z's. Easy. Fantastic film. Seriously. I mean, there's no real flaws with this movie. It's just um, so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. It's so sweet, so heartfelt. Like you said, earnest. And I think it just captures such an amazing forward thinking way of Christmas Mm -hmm. that we still deal with today. Mm -hmm. All those years ago. Yeah. It's impressive is what it is. And it's very entertaining. So I'm going to give it four and a half Z's. Okay. Um, I, I love this movie. Don't get me wrong. That I think I gave uh, um, it's a wonderful life. Four and a half Z's as well. And I don't think I like this that much more than uh, it's a wonderful life, but I really, really love this movie. This is the OG Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I think this is the first time I've rated something five stars uh, and you rated it below five stars. I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, you I you really wanted to rate Cats five stars, but you didn't. I think I gave that the lowest rating possible. Minus 25 stars. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, Ugh. let's not ruin this holiday episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why did we even mention that? You know, I might cut that out. I won't. Uh, but... <laughs> All right, sounds good. So, um, coming up next, what do we have? A jingle all the way. Jingle all the way, which is your Wednesday episode, your regularly scheduled ZZ Talk episode. Right, and um, I do also want to mention that we have a bunch of Star Wars coming up. Oh, we are yes. reviewing every single Star Wars movie. Um, that is the original saga. You know, that is one through nine, prequels, sequels, sequel trilogy. It's going to take us all the way to the through almost March, so the first quarter of the year. Yeah, we will not be reviewing movies. the TV shows because we kind of intermittently done that. And, but... we, and we've done some of those TV shows. Remember, we did that animated show, plus we've done Kenobi, we've done The Book of Boba Fett. I think maybe we've done some episodes of The Mandalorian. So yeah, this is the, these are the films. This is what sort of launched ZZ Talk, but now we're actually going to talk about each one of the films rather than ranking them because I have a feeling our rankings might be different at the conclusion of this. And it's also important to remember we originally we originally ranked the films having not seen a lot of them in years. True. And now we are going to be reviewing each with a fresh watch uh, and a contemporary lens. Yep. So we will let you know definitively how we feel about them really in the present moment. In fact, Rotten Tomatoes is wiping their scores clean and they're waiting for us for our review. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it all comes down. It all comes down to us. It does. So that's right. At the end of the day, I'm really excited for that. And that's going to take up probably the first quarter. Of no the doubt. Uh, no, do you have a check it out for today? Um, 
gosh, check it out. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about Christmas holiday movies. I don't really like them uh, too often. I, I love them, folks. I don't like the Hallmark ones. You know, the they get Grinch. a little bit too sappy, syrupy, all that kind of stuff. They're all the same and they're all wonderful. Um, My check it out is going to be uh, Daddy's Home 2. Which is one of your, and you didn't think of it. That's, so that's, no, my, that's, that's my check it out. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, can't think of any other holiday movies. Love that movie. Uh, <laughs> okay. We can do a dual check. Yes. Out. This is it's, maybe somebody will take it and listen and watch it. I will suggest it. And then you will, you will endorse, I will endorse it. it. Yeah. Because you just watched it again. I right? started watching it again this morning. I'm going to finish it tomorrow. It's, it is. It's so dumb, but it's so great. So we kind of have Christmas traditions, obviously, where you know we'll watch one of the uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving episodes of The Middle, um, or I watch all nine of them, or we'll watch Jingle All the Way, um, and we do that tomorrow, like every single year in some kind of rotation. And Daddy's Home Two has been one of the most recent of those, and I gotta say, folks, it's it's really funny. It's got John Lithgow, Will Ferrell, Mel Gibson. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. You know, pretty much, it's it's an all star cast, and it really is funny. It really is funny. It's it's a real and John Cena, who has one of the John best, Cena, who has one of the best lines of any movie ever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that Daddy's Home too. It's it's really good, and you should uh, watch it. Also, we had a <laughs> remember uh, remember when Gavin guests yes. movie last year. <laughs> How did he know that? I, I, we're still watching. that's exactly that's yeah. that's what's funny about it but yeah this movie has definitely joined um the coveted holiday rotation for uh the zz talk hq um so everything out. noah said check it out daddy's home too yeah it's a lot of fun you can watch it with family as well yep all right so with that in mind merry christmas to all and happy holidays to the rest ho, we do ho, appreciate ho. you sticking with us and listening in and uh, until Wednesday, uh, so super special, you're getting two episodes in one week. Uh, we will see you next time. And with that in mind, I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is, is Easy, Easy Talk. Talk.